Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from black magic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey, what's up? This is Oren. Before we get into our episode, we wanted to tell you a little bit about our friend Jordan Brady's upcoming commercial directing boot camp. It's on August 25th, and he teaches everything you need to know about making it in the commercial biz. Jordan's directed thousands of TV commercials and has his own production company that constantly churns out amazing spots. So he knows what he is talking about. Now, there are only a few spots left for the August 25th session, but there is a 10% discount for listeners of Just Shoot It if you enter the code JSI when you register at commercialdirectingbootcamp.com. We've heard awesome stuff from our friends who've taken the class. So if you were in Los Angeles and you were looking to launch your commercial career, Jordan Brady will help you out. Go to commercialdirectingbootcamp.com. Offer code JSI saves you 10%. Welcome to the 122nd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And this episode is brought to you by patrons Alex Griboskis and Shane Collins. Today we have Augustine Frizzell on the podcast. She is a writer-director. She had a movie premiere at Sundance, and now it is being released by A24. I think it comes out the day after this podcast drops. Yeah, so check it out. Never Going Back. It's on the A24 website. It's opening in LA and New York and then expanding to the rest of the country. And it's awesome. It's about these two high school dropouts that are totally insane. And you will enjoy it if you check it out. So we're going to talk to Augustine about that. She also just directed a pilot for HBO. She's kind of on fire. She's blowing up. And she has a really tremendous story about coming to filmmaking and the process of making Never Going Back. She really is honest and frank about um, the whole development process and about how it was a long road to get to this film and how there were a lot of false starts along the way that I think everyone will be able to relate to. Before we get to Augustine, I would love to find out what have you been working on lately? I just got back from Comic-Con. Yawn. Oh, man. Comic-yawn. Comic-yawn. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sure, fair enough. Isn't uh, it weird how I want to direct Marvel movies and you couldn't give two shits about it, but I... Don't really care about Comic Con, and you love it. Uh, yeah, except for that, I don't. I don't think I stepped foot in the Marvel booth. The thing that's special to me about Comic Con is that you get to meet a lot of small publishers and the artists who um, are writing and drawing those books. And I certainly love plenty of the Marvel and DC artists, but um, 
the lines are hella long. So like you get to have like a real conversation with somebody uh, and wait in line for like maybe two or three minutes and talk to somebody who's like just starting out or like has made this labor of love. And it's kind of this interesting, intimate sort of situation where they're just kind of there, you know, typically they'll like sketch something for you as they're signing the book, you know? Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. Um, so those are the experiences that I'm after. The real thing I wanted to talk to you about, Oren, is that I really, um, you know, I've been going to this convention for years and I love going to film festivals. And this year in particular, I had a real hard time deciding whether or not I was going to go and for how many days and all that stuff. Um, because there is actual business that I do there, you get to see a lot of old contacts, and I was really having a hard time deciding if it was valuable to me professionally, regardless of whether or not I was going to have a good time. And so I wanted to ask you, how do you decide whether or not you attend a festival or a convention? When is it worth it to you to go to one of those? That's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, there are certain people that, like, love being in that chaos and i feel like i used to be a person mm -hmm. like that and now i just i mean just the thought of paying like 30 dollars to park somewhere like could keep me away from <laughs> yeah. i would like not go to my own wedding if i had to pay 30 dollars <laughs> to park there you know like um, that's how much of a turnoff it is yeah it, it is hard to not have a hotel um downtown it makes it pretty darn hard yeah no i think you know a festival if i was invited and i could go i would go yeah. if, if i there's a lot of people who have this philosophy that i'm only going to go to a film festival if when my movie gets in there how many people do you know that have like never been to sundance and they're like i'll go when i have a movie there i mean honestly i had that opinion up until the uh, conversation we had with augustine <laughs> later Today, yeah on this very episode i think she really makes a strong point towards um, why you should go to festivals even if you don't have something showing. Yeah, no, so we're not going to spoil it. But yeah, we do get a lot of insight on that. But I do find, you know, as we kind of have our like peaks and valleys in our mm -hmm. career, that the various aspects that we are, you know, kind of invested in, like I, there was a time when I would go to like every single screening I could. And then there was a time where I wasn't, didn't feel like going to any screenings. And now I'm, I think I'm kind of, really invested in going to more things, mm -hmm. not just for networking, but just to be inspired and to just remember, you know, just for fun. You have an excuse to see three movies in a day. That's pretty dope. Well, before we get into the interview, I did want to mention that the one interesting thing I'm doing right now is Matt and I are talking about shooting a spec commercial together. Mm -hmm. Actively doing it, actually. Yeah, we're do we still have to land on the date. Sure, um, but, you know, we're having meetings and, like, the production company, it's not like, oh, we're thinking about it. Like, we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. Look, when you're a working director and you get paid to direct, sometimes when you want to do your own thing, like you want to make your short film or you want to write your feature or you want to do anything and just the, the inkling of a paid gig comes up, it'll like throw a wrench into mm -hmm. all of that. So kind of my idea was like, if I get Matt on board, if I'm like beholden to someone else that's mm -hmm. also relying on this shoot date, it'll be important enough for me to say like, hey, I know there's a there's a gig that day, but I'm already booked. I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't know if we'll ever be in a position where we'll be like, no, I'm going to pass over paid work to do spec work. I think there's a totally a reality where like you're not making a ton of money on your feature or even a short or something like that where you could you would have to turn things down. But a spec commercial is a specific sort of thing where you're making it not only because you really like it, but because 
it's meant to get you more work. So it makes less sense to turn down paid work to yeah, do it. Yeah, I guess it. I would wholeheartedly disagree. Oh, good. <laughs> because I think like the, so for me making a spec commercial, and this is a little thing I just want to talk a short little bit about is the David, um, who's the main executive producer at the production company I'm with, he says, let's look at your reel right now. And he asks, you know, the people in the office, okay, when Oren is up for a job, which three spots that he's directed do we show? And they, so we go, okay, well, it's the Converse one, and it's the NVIDIA one, and a Time Warner one, let's say, or Jeep or whatever. And they're like, okay, well, if we replaced one of those, which one would we replace, and what would we replace it with that would get him a better chance a better to book chance. this mm-hmm. gig? So... That's how they approach it. They're not really like, what would be the most fun to shoot? Or what's like the most in your voice? But sure. much more exactly what you're saying. Like, let's invest some resources into this thing to get us the bigger job. And so, yes, of course, if like so it you're getting a cheap commercial. Yeah, but yeah. if you're like, hey, we want to shoot an interview for an industrial. It's going to pay 500 bucks to go to this place. You know, then, yeah, no, I think it's worth that. turning that yeah. down. But it, it's hard for us to turn down <laughs> paid gigs just because we are freelancers you know yeah it's just... I, you know and it's also i think it's a difference between like neuroses and need do you know what i mean yeah yeah we I, should turn them down but we yeah um hate saying no to a job offer i think that there are plenty of circumstances or situations where you and i are both have had tremendous years where we are doing better financially than we've ever done and a, a job comes in that we are not excited for that doesn't pay great we're still I'm going to bend over backwards to do. Yeah. I had a phase when I was like, hey, if it's unscripted, don't put me up for it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, have zero interest in unscripted stuff, even though it's super popular. Yeah. I think it's probably on, at least digitally, like the most popular genre is real people doing real things and saying real things. And it's also hard to find people who can really deliver unscripted in a, because it's soft scripted is the thing. Right, right. Like you really like someone who can write on the fly and like put words into talent's mouth as though it were their own thought. Yeah. Like pushing people, encouraging people, mm-hmm. setting up environments. Anyway. Asking the right question, phrasing it in a certain way so that they use the exact sentence that you just said to them. Yeah. But today I would probably entertain some unscripted stuff because there's some really good unscripted things. Our friends just did this Mitsubishi commercial, which was... Again, it was like a, this guy that does rapping on the fly. So mm-hmm. it was unscripted, and he's like giving people a test drive and then rapping to them about the features of the car. And now it's on TV like all the time, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I think Oren from two years ago would have always turned that down. But now I'm just trying to be more open to finding the fun in like every job as mm-hmm. opposed to like, I only want to direct this very specific type of. Yeah, well, and I think also there's the time commitment, you know, like if you're doing two weeks of an unscripted thing and you get to do some, you know, fun camera stuff and stretch yourself in other ways, that's different than like four months of unscripted, maybe (laughs) hurt your soul a little bit. Um, Yeah, for sure. But um, but so the takeaway, I think, just about like uh, working on this thing with Matt is like if you do find yourself having trouble. I mean, we've gotten listener questions about this where it's like, I really want to make a film, but I, I just like can't get myself to do it because I've got jobs. I've got family. I've got all these other things. By the way, Augustine Frizzell, our guest today has had a child when she was very young. And despite that, like went and took acting classes, made movies, had a side job, had like everything like, you know, I think it's a super inspirational to know like 
those excuses aren't valid. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if but if you are having trouble, team up with someone. And to me, it's like I want to direct, and that's really important to me to direct. But also, I don't mind co-directing. I don't mind collaborating. I don't like I, as long as you find someone that can overlap with you tonally on the project you're working right. with. I think uh, go for it. Make something with someone. Doesn't like the titles don't matter. Right. Go for it. Right before we talk to Augustine, I'd like to remind everyone that we have a Patreon. The URL is patreon.com slash justshootitpod. And it is a way that if you are a listener, if you're a fan, if you like this podcast and feel like you would like to support us or help, you know, us pay our editors, help us do more live events, which we are planning one for the end of the summer. Um, check it out. You know, it's it helps us and we would appreciate it. And we're also sending out monthly newsletters monthly to our newsletters. patrons. Um, also, I think we're talking about some kind of exclusive perks for the live show. Yeah. So if, you, um, if you're if you an Angelino and you listen to the show and you've got an extra dollar a month, um, consider throwing that in so that you can help us make these live events happen. Well, great. Let's get into it with Augustine. Augustine, how's it going? Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's going good. So you just made Never Going Back. I did. Well, I made it like a year ago. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> All right, it's coming out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when, what's, when is it coming out? It comes out this Friday, August 3rd in LA and New York, and then it opens wider the following week and then the week after. Awesome. And where is it coming? Like, you can go to your local theater? Wider? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think we have, like, Washington, Dallas, Austin, Chicago, Seattle. Uh, there's, like the major markets yeah, right major now markets. and then we'll hit some of the smaller ones the week after awesome and i mean my goal is that we get into some small towns simply mm-hmm. because the movie takes place in a suburb yeah and tell us what's kind of the the log line for or wait movie. can i get can i try Ooh. The log line? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right Orin, go for it. Out, so i saw the movie a few nights ago mm-hmm. and i think this is what i think the log line is two sexually fluid high school dropouts <laughs> dream of getting away from their small town suburban life and going to the beach <laughs> that sounds about right uh, that's exactly but, right but since they have an inability to stay out of trouble uh things go awry quickly and mm-hmm. at every next step they take a turn that you wouldn't expect that's just about right you you might expect some but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, meeting these girls you're like they're gonna get into yeah, some trouble yeah we I see it coming there is one uh, scene where they're like Okay, there's a ton of drugs here, but we're not going to do any of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sure. go. And they succeed. Like they don't, you know, they don't do any intentionally. So oh, you got to give well. them that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like they actually don't do any. They. Um, but you know, drugs that, are going to. You be know, done. it's going to accidentally happen. That's like going to like wild rivers and being like, I'm not going to get wet. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to land. And this. then you walk by a like a slide and right. someone splashes. Yeah, yeah, that is true. So what's your version of the log line? No, I think you got it. I think. Um, Let's see. God, I've written it a lot of times. So best friend, 16-year-old best friends, high school dropouts who work at a diner in small town or in a, a city in Texas. Um, they just uh, want to get away from their sad lives for weekends by going to the beach. And they blow their rent money on that trip. And then they have to figure out a way to get it back after they're fired. Something well, like that. And it's kind of, even though there's like a lot of p- 
twat. It kind of feels like slice of life for you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of just mm-hmm. hanging out with these girls. Kind yeah. of reminded me a little bit of like 13. Not, oh. Even though I haven't, I mean, I haven't seen that movie in like 13 20, years. Yeah, like 20 years. Whenever, I don't know. Thirteen's <laughs> like the really dramatic version sure. of my movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my movie's like poop jokes and stoners. Yeah, it's much and, more fun. Yeah. Oh, and Kyle Mooney. Is and in Kyle it. Mooney. Yeah, yeah so. he's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. Was that, and when you worked with him, he was already on SNL, right? He was, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, so tell us how, uh, how did this movie come to be? What was its origin story? So it's based on my real life, and the majority of the stuff in the movie actually happened to me, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had written about it time and time again, or told stories from my youth time and time again, and then Wait, including kinda, the beach story and everything? The beach story was, well, um, like wanting to go to the beach. We wanted to move to Santa Cruz, California, to be honest. And so we had this idea that that's where everything was happening. There were like surfers and there was this college and, and, and And you were in Texas. I was in Texas. Yeah. And I was a big fan of the Lost Boys. And (laughs) (laughs) they, you know, they moved to the Santa Clarita or not Santa Clarita, Santa, what's it called? I can't even remember at this point. Mm. So in my mind. And that's what Santa Cruz was. It was yeah. like this really cool place, and maybe you meet vampires, maybe you just meet like the two Corys. You know, I, I've spent some time in Santa Cruz. It's not <laughs> that far off. Yeah. Really? Okay. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really. Uh, they're still playing hacky sack right now. I guarantee. Amazing. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They like, like. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when they would like throw acid on the windows of Starbucks because it was like yeah. too corporate. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. are you serious? And I'm in like, Santa guys, yeah. if you're gonna. If you're, you're going to let one corporate company in here, I think Starbucks it is, is okay. like <laughs> It's the perfect merger of like hippy-dippy and like surf skate cu- culture. Okay. Yeah. That it's sounds like, crazy. Right, guys, That's what gonna... I was hoping for. Yeah. yeah. It sounded yeah. amazing, but yeah. we never made it. But we did go to the beach in Texas on uh, a few times, and those were really great memories. I mean, the beaches are like mostly pretty gross there you know oil <laughs> oil spills have affected the cleanliness of the water and there's like a ton of mosquitoes but we had such a fun time just getting away from the humdrum reality of our lives got it so then how so you are kind of like this wayward teenager growing up you've got you're collecting all these incredible stories mm-hmm. how do you get into filmmaking like what drew you to filmmaking so i I had, um, I'd always wanted to be a singer. My, my dad's side of the family were singers and I always thought I'd do that. I always loved singing, but I have really terrible stage fright. So I was never able to get past that and, Mm -hmm. and like develop the confidence and courage to get on stage. And so at one point I, um, I took an acting class thinking that might help with stage fright. And at this point my, I'd had a daughter, I got pregnant early. I was 18 when I got pregnant Mm -hmm. and had her the next, like when I was 19. Um, and she was like two or three and I took an acting class and just felt alive in this weird way. I thought, um, there was that moment that happens when you get in the zone, you know, and you're not paying attention to anything. You, your mind kind of empties, and it was a really interesting feeling. And so I was doing that, and then my teacher asked me to audition for this murder mystery dinner theater mm-hmm. trip that he hosted. And you're still in Texas. The, Texas I'm still in Texas okay. at this point, yeah. And so I auditioned and got the job and started doing that. And that kind of led to working, like doing short films. I joined this Yahoo group called... 
Dallas filmmakers or something, something like that and joined the Yahoo group. And that's actually how I met my husband, David, who's a filmmaker as well. Uh, I auditioned for the short film. It was like my third audition ever. It was a movie called Still, and that was David's short film, and he cast me, and so we ended up meeting like that. Wow, yeah. that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. back in 2001. That was a yeah, long yeah. time ago. And so did you have like a day job while you were doing the acting? Oh, yeah, I was um, waitressing at that point. Yeah, so I was waitressing, but then doing a ton of other stuff. I, over the years, did alcohol promotions and toilet paper promotions and like you know just like any I would work stadiums I would like do all this crazy stuff any sort of odd jobs inside jobs that I could find to to put money together that Mm -hmm. um, maximized my hours the best as they could so like uh, the fewest hours most money I could make so that I could also take care of my daughter and kind of do acting in the evenings and the murder mystery thing paid so that was great Mm -hmm. Um, but then over the years I just started doing more film and started uh, wanting to be on set and noticed that it wasn't exactly, I didn't connect as much with the other actors as like on a friend basis, Mm -hmm. but I connected with filmmakers just because Mm -hmm. I loved movies so much. And so I started finding that that was kind of my, my group. And, Mm um, and then, you know, I, Married, uh, like my husband and I, we were together back in 2001, weren't together for eight years, and then reacquainted in 2009. Wait, wait, so you had dated in 2001? Briefly. And briefly parted ways. Uh huh. And then years later, rediscovered each other? Yeah, he wrote me randomly and he'd said he had a dream about me and wanted to get in touch with me. And I'd always. crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And I'd always. Like that first time that we were together, it was so magical and like this really intense thing. And but then it just didn't work out. wasn't the right time. Did you like the short film? Like was that creatively <laughs> satisfying? Being in still, yeah, yeah, it was really fun. It was also just, I think of acting as the most miserable thing I could possibly <laughs> be doing, but also really fun and interesting. I don't know. It's terrifying, but mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm really self aware, and so I can't get into it it's it's just like this whole mind fucks like it's mm-hmm. it's hard for me so it was fun but <laughs> stressful. it's always stressful yeah anyway so yeah we reacquainted in 2009 and then ended up you know getting together got married a year later and during that time he he knew that I'd been writing and that I had kind of an interest in mm-hmm. making stuff and over the years I'd been homeschooling my daughter and she and I had been making these little like you know mini dv films sure. on um iMovie and you know just stuff but I never considered it filmmaking I never even thought of it in that mm-hmm. on, on those terms I was homeschooling her and it was kind of just like this thing that we did yeah like it's a way to do projects together and it's fun and different yeah than, yeah. yeah exactly yeah, so fascinating sorry I'm only interrupting because I have a daughter no, no. and I've been talking to Matt about whether I should like make movies with her yeah because I want her to be like Alina Dunham or, you know right so her, if you, her <laughs> your career question can take is off. like oh should I imbue her with everything I've learned how old is and she then, she's two and a half <laughs> <laughs> now's the time <laughs> don't let this slip past you yeah, yeah. yeah. well no, you should but yeah. so through homeschooling is there do they say you have to do a certain like amount of art projects or something like no my daughter was actually you? unschooled and so and that's a completely well i mean it's it's a pretty different thing than homeschooling and that we did not use any sort of government mandated curriculum we actually 
used very few mm-hmm. traditional methods of schooling. We used real books, and she would just have an interest. We go to the library and read stuff. It's child-led learning, so you follow their path, and I see. And you kind of help let them like figure out what they want to do. So and there's no pie chart of like, well, okay, no. it's art time now. Gotcha. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no. So, uh, yeah, so we just do whatever she felt like and what I felt like teaching her and mm-hmm. and did that for years. And then she eventually did like an online school, but... Um, but yeah, so there was like this festival or a conference every year, an unschooling conference. And I remember going one year and they had a editing workshop where they taught you Final Cut Pro. And I went in there and just stayed for days, like the entire time. Yeah. And the kids were free to like run around and do their thing. And so I was just in there editing. And then we made this film with the, the equipment that they had. And I directed all the kids. <laughs> It's called Booktopia. Yeah, yeah. Like, we wrote it together with the kids. And I just remember, like, uh, maybe being a little more controlling with the script sure. than I should have been, like, a group <laughs> sure. of kids. Like, we need to make this cohesive. Like, yeah, you fired seven <laughs> kids that day. Exactly. That's right. It was That's a true. cast of three. We actually had some, like, not committed. And me and the guy that was, he and I were kind of working on it together. He was another parent. We were like, we got to let him go. Like, if they can't show up, they can't get here. They don't understand. Like, we can't shoot sure. half the movie without Welcome this. Welcome to the <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, learned editing, and then at one point, I just I I was so nervous to talk to my husband about it, but I had this idea, and I was like, I've really been thinking about maybe kind of making a short film, and and your husband's a director. He's a director. Yeah. And so he was super supportive. He said, Yeah, you should do it. And I said, But we don't have any money. And like, how do you do it? And and he just explained, you know write a script because it was more of just an idea and a story I'd written and not in script form. He was like, well, write a script and then um, send it out. And you've been volunteering for years in other people's films, which I had. I'd been working in any department I could be in and just getting on set and thanking them for letting me come and like do work (laughs) on their things. And so he was like, just do the same thing. Like ask people if they want to come and help. And it turns out they do. Yeah. And so. Especially when you've been helping them for so long. Yeah. 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 Cash those favors (laughs) in. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that was it. So and, then, and that was never going back? No. That was the first short that I made. That was called Clean. That was like in 2012 or something. I Maybe 2013. I remember the date. Um, and then made that was just on fire. Like, I can't believe mm-hmm. I just made my first movie. It was like a one-day shoot, and it was so exciting, and I just felt so alive. And and it was the best process. And then I edited it, and... And liked it pretty well. D- submitted to a couple festivals, didn't get in. And I was like, okay, that's okay. I'm going to move on to the next mm-hmm. thing and like let it just rest. So it's somewhere online. But um, made some shorts and then attempted making this movie in 2014 for the first time, mm-hmm. which failed. Um, we actually shot it in 16 days with like a $30,000 budget. I'd received a grant from the Austin Film Society, used mm-hmm. that money along with a, a crowdfunding campaign and shot it for no money. Wait, so hold on. Okay. So you wrote the, so you made some shorts. You had yeah. like a little bit of success, but you weren't, I mean, I think like something awesome is a lot of people will like make one short put their whole heart and soul into it and it doesn't get into Sundance or something and then yeah. they're just like and then it's forget it yeah. filmmaking's not for me um, really but yeah. the fact that oh, you're man. just like oh well who cares let's go on to the next one next one yeah that's that, like what we try to encourage well. even though we're just as guilty of yeah it, sure you know, right. yeah. everyone gets bummed yeah there's pluses and minuses to that I wonder about that too because I was just talking to my husband about this whole process of a movie being released mm-hmm. and what that feels like and how it's exciting, but honestly, if I, I mean, 
thanks A24 for like buying my film and putting it out. I want people to see it for sure. That's the goal. But at the same time, there's a part of me that's just like, I could just make it and put it away and just go right. on and make the the next one. No one would ever have to see it. There's something so so pleasant and mm-hmm. and and fulfilling about just the making of the thing yeah. and being, you know, creating it and then being on set and then editing it. And I really could just edit it and put it in my hard drive and be done. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't know no, if that's how no, everyone feels. No, I, definitely. <laughs> really? is, okay. You think yeah. that is how everyone feels? That's about? how I feel. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You don't care about validation or like people <laughs> telling you you're good or... Making I... more money to make a bigger movie. <laughs> the money part for sure. Yeah, the about. money part's great. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I do a lot of like sketch comedy and stuff. So like I um I post that stuff all on the internet and so like at a certain point all of those numbers just don't mean anything. They don't you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, they don't mean they like, don't it's mean. like okay, right. like uh, Well the viral you know. videos is different. It's like that's like being on drugs, I think. Right? Because it's like <laughs> You're, yeah. It's so exciting. I, I call like it the a, refreshies. All these comments yeah. at one time. And it's like, I think they've done a ton of studies. It's like, you know, being on cocaine or something. But yeah. um, for like those few days and then it goes away and it's like as if you never made that video. But yeah. the movie. Yes. But but then the, with the drug metaphor, like it takes more and more to get that same <laughs> yeah. buzz. So right. it's like, oh, great. A hundred thousand like, views. Big whoop. Yeah. You know? yeah. I would need a million. A hundred thousand views isn't cool. Yeah. A million yeah. views is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what's cool? <laughs> When I made my first movie, I uh, it was you know it was at a festival and I had a little theatrical release and stuff. And my boss at the time, who had made a, a bunch of movies, I worked at Disney, but he had produced all these things independently. Was like, dude, Oren, this is like like you because I was like so worried about what the next step is and how much money it's going to make and what theaters and how, are the investors going to make their mm-hmm. money back. And he was like, dude, just stop thinking of all of that. Like, this is probably the most fun of the movie really. Like. Just yeah, the, yeah. the time in the, the movie is coming part. out. Yeah, yeah, like enjoy it. Like go to the festivals and just like relax and just talk like to people. Just like hang out at yeah. a podcast. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. He, but he was really into like focus on having fun now because sure. it's going to get stressful whether it does well or it doesn't do well. Yes. But if it doesn't do well, then at least you were having Had fun. fun in the meantime. <laughs> I know. When it was released. Twice. You yeah. Know? yeah. So it's I don't funny. know. I, I like releasing stuff and showing it to people and getting feedback and. It's know. great. It's simultaneously the most exciting part and the most hellacious part. It's mm-hmm. it's terrifying and like stress ridden, and you're wondering what people are going to think, and then they're thinking things that you just never thought they'd think. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are thinking things. You're like, oh yeah, I kind of figured they might think that, and yeah, it's yeah. like that. And then there's like the good responses where you're like, okay, yeah, this is why I did it. It's sure. really fun. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard to let that good response outweigh. The, like one guy on Twitter who's like a hundred followers and he's like me. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Well, to me, the worst is like when you feel like there's a problem with your movie, <laughs> yeah. and but uh, no, everyone else seems to love the movie, and you're like, oh, it's good, I was wrong, and then like, and then one person, one guy's later, like, someone's I like, I see that problem. Yeah. 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 Why would they yeah. go like, to that party? <laughs> Yeah. You were right. I knew better. I knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. someone finally saw my flaws. Yeah, that's that's much worse than like <laughs> a, the surprise one. You know, like oh, like because it's easier to d- dismiss something that feels so far out of left field. You know, but like when you secretly know they're right, that's when it's the worst. But also, yeah. you know, like if you don't get any insults, you know, the movie is not has not gone mainstream. It hasn't gone wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get the negative oh. comments to realize, like, okay. people are watching yeah. that don't know you. Right? Yeah. That's true. And also, it's better to be a little bit... You know, people should be a little bit divided mm-hmm. about how they feel about your film. Absolutely. Yeah. And I look at all the films that I love the most, and they all have... Yeah, my parents haters. hate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I mean, I'm a stati- th- this thing about, like, the... 
the drug feeling of like checking your views. Mm-hmm. I have that with like checking the statistics on IMDb and like, oh, sure. like <laughs> who's I didn't watching even think about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not that many right now. It's just over a hundred, but still I'm like, what is this breakdown looking like? And it's like sure. men over the age of 45 have voted it. Like they hate it. Oh man. <laughs> like, really? Your yeah. movie? Let me tell My you, movie, yeah. never release a video on YouTube. Really? Like, the stats are so <laughs> like acute and specific. Like mm-hmm. you can see when they stopped watching things, mm-hmm. how many people stopped watching to a certain point, all sorts of geographic demo. Oh yeah. That's they like have that nightmare. on Vimeo too. Yeah. And yeah, it's also thing. a nightmare. Oh man. <laughs> I know. You're like, yeah. Oh, 20 people saw my reel today. Uh, oh, three geez. of them watched it the whole yeah, yeah, yeah. The past uh, halfway. It's painful. Yeah, it's so, so painful. Brutal. Well, I want to get back to um, you may never going back mm-hmm. two times. So let's talk yes. about that first time. That's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So you, you you were saying basically that you didn't have enough money to do it right the first time, or walk us through that whole process. So I'll try and sum this up as fast as I can. So I. I made the shorts, my first, so I made that very first short, which mm-hmm. I'd never released. And then I made three other shorts over the course of a weekend. Uh, one of one the three, weekend? yeah, they were just yeah, like short. Roll. Well, I'd started out with one and it was a little long and then we got access to an Alexa and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we should just do three. Like, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> like, I hear you. Yeah, that's Matt's theory. <laughs> that is my problem. I'm like, oh, what? I'm like, like, why don't we? the best of our time and crew and like, yeah, just yeah. go for it. Yeah. about making one perfect thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't have no. that. I don't have that drive. I mean, but at the same time, you tell my story and you'd be like, yeah, she's a fucking perfectionist. Like, right. that's not the case. Anyway, so I'd made this short. It got into South by Southwest to played really well had good response and I was just like pumped up was like I need to make something else and I'd written another short um that I loved it was uh I the script's probably somewhere but I just thought um I was so driven and wanted to do it and I applied for a grant started the process of a grant which if you've ever done is a long and drawn out Mm -hmm. process Mm -hmm. there's a lot to fill out and there's a lot you have to do a budget like do this whole thing so I started the process for the grant wanting to make this short film next and um, in the meantime, the trailer for A Light Between Oceans, do you know this film? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got um, uh, Rachel Weiss and uh, who else? Uh, Alicia, um, the Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raider. Oh, Vic Hender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's got them in Fassbender, and so they find a baby washed up on the shore. Oh, yes, I do know this movie. Point yeah, yeah. is, it was the exact premise of my short film. My uh, short film was about this couple that finds a baby washed up on shore, and the woman takes it, and it causes like some issues. So anyway, that was my short that I wanted to make. And as soon as this trailer came out, I was like, "What the fuck? Like this is the yeah, thing yeah. I was gonna do? Like I can't do it now. I've spent all this time. I just can't go forward with this. It's gonna look like I copied this movie." So I'd already gone through all the trouble of the grant and the application deadline was nearing like probably in like two days or something. And so I had a really rough draft incomplete of never going back. And I knew the basic idea what I wanted to do. And so I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to apply with this. Yeah, yeah. I'll make my first feature. Was it the same like genre and tone? It was, yeah, very similar. It was about the two girls, Jesse and Angela. And um, a lot of, well... There are a few scenes that came directly from the first version into the one that you've seen, Uh um, but a lot of it was changed. I mean, very, very much changed. Um, But a lot of the characters were still in there. Dustin and Ryan were in there, Tony and, you know, all this stuff. So, So I applied for the grant, and then I got the grant. And in that period of time, 
my husband was having to leave to go to New Zealand for six months to shoot Pete's Dragon. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to go with him. And that deadline was approaching. So I was like, shit, if I don't make this before we leave, we're going to be gone for six months. Right. I'm not going to get it made. I just got this grant. Like, what do I do? And And had you already crowdfunded at that point? Not yet. No, not yet. So I knew the money, you know, the grant money. Maybe maybe we had started pushing forward on the the idea of a crowdfund, but I don't think so because we were crowdfunding until like, the shoot was starting. Like, how much were you like money? Did you want? I don't remember. Fifteen thousand, something mm-hmm. like that. I, I don't. So you were going to do the whole feature for like under fifty. <laughs> we were doing. Yeah, we ended up making it for thirty thousand, right around thirty thousand. So we put some additional funds on top of the grant and the the crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. So we put in some of our own money and made you know that round out the budget. So. And did you shoot on Alexa with like a we crew and We did shoot on Alexa. Yeah. Well, one of my friends, one my producer, Liz Cardenas, they own an Alexa. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to let us use it for the shoot. And then we had a bunch of people just helping just out pitching. and yeah. yeah, pitching in. And I was stopping at fucking Taco Cabana every morning for breakfast tacos for everyone. Like yeah. it was a, it was a hard shoot. So Texan. everything came from thrift stores. Yeah. Like it was, it was intense. Um, so yeah, so we shot it in 16 days. I finished it and two weeks later left for New Zealand. And so How did the shoot go? It was hard and unfun. Yeah. <laughs> it was. What uh, made it unfun? Can you talk about that a little bit? I can talk or about rather, that a little uh, bit. How about a, a better question, actually? What, is what did like, you learn? Yeah, what did <laughs> you learn? Or like, Because I, I think a lot of our listeners are thinking about like, yeah, okay, $50,000 micro-budget feature. 30000 $30,000, pardon me, got yeah, thirty thousand micro budget feature. I get that. Like, so yeah. what? What made it? What made it hard was hard, yeah. my advice is to hire, or if you're not hiring, people are just working for free. Um, people who you instinctually know are good people. Number mm-hmm. one, and number two, who respect your vision and are on the same page with you about what you want to do, especially key positions. Like your director of photography, <laughs> they should be someone that uh, you get along with mm-hmm. and that will accept and appreciate your vision and help you achieve it and and not belittle you and make well, you can I, it. Can I ask you? I mean that that sounds you know, super <laughs> valuable. Um, does, yeah. Can I ask you like what you did to share your vision with like the crew? Did you like make? Like show them references or yeah, like storyboard. Well, shot listing and discussing and like really planning out like this is what I had in mind and like describing the shots and you know all this type of thing and being like what was what were you thinking and like mm-hmm. asking for like a dialogue and saying hey this is kind of how I want it to look like there's this film that I just love and this is kind of the color tone and whatever so just references I mean. Mm-hmm. And then hoping, and for me, because I'd never done anything, a lot of that was also about figuring it out when you're there right, and, right. and saying, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, which I always say, cause I'm still figuring Even this out. You already had like a short at South by at this point and got a government grant. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you still... Even now, I still don't know everything because I come from such a micro budget world. Right. There's so much to learn. And so for me, a lot of that is figured out on set mm-hmm. being like, okay, I, I have an idea about how I want things to go. I know we're doing this bit handheld and this is kind of something I made in my last short. So I know that this is how we need to shoot it because this is what I learned making the short mm-hmm. and this is how we need to cover it. And this is how it's going to cut together. Cause I had edit experience at that point. Right, and right, so right. it's just stuff like that. Like, um, 
but still you're figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And so having the ability to say, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but let's try this thing and then not be made to feel bad about it. Like you should have a partner who's like, yeah, let's try it. Like, let's give it a go. Like, let's see what that would be. Or can say like, well, maybe, you know, in my experience, this might not be the thing, but maybe we could try blah, blah, blah. And then you have like a dialogue. You don't want someone who's like, no, stupid, dumb, you know? And you also don't want, I think I've had experience where like the like key people and their entire team is like backing them up no matter what they say, right? So yeah, you it's not it's not just you against one other person, it's you against them and everyone right. that right. they've brought on. Right? Directing is so funny too because like we spend so little time on set relative to every other position, right? So like a DP is like shooting nonstop or a sound person shooting right. like they're when all when the first like, AD is like uh, that's going to take us ten hours let's just do this and this and you're yeah like, you're well, like well but hold it's on it's a different shot yeah know. let's have a conversation about it right and so um, it's really frustrating to hear like it, it, it's very vulnerable to be able to say like I, I don't know exactly let's figure it out together right mm-hmm. and the collaboration has to be. Um, everyone has to be down to do that basically and yeah getting bulldozed is like. I mean, it's happened to everybody and it's the worst. It sucks and it's unfair because especially in an environment like that, you're not having to answer to a studio. Mm -hmm. You're not having to pay anyone back. You don't owe any money. You're simply trying to make a thing and you want everyone to come at it with this Mm -hmm. team spirit and supportive vibe. And that's how I like being on set. And I find it so pleasurable being on set it's one of my favorite places there's just nothing like it and i'm so happy when i'm there and you're happy when you're with your team and i love working with actors i fucking love working with actors and so and 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 finding the shots and like figuring it out and you know discovering all these things it's the best and so when someone comes in with like a sour attitude especially for a project like that we're not getting paid come in and have fun (laughs) my god let's just create together what are you doing here and why (laughs) yeah that's really funny i also find like with directing specifically like like when all those people that have been working, you know, 300, shooting 300 days a year or whatever, are telling you that you're doing something the wrong way or there's a better way to do it, they're like taking away, taking you out of the equation. Yeah, for, the, the special the element. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's fine if you fail or you do something totally the wrong way and it looks like crap, but if it, it is great, you're like the only person doing it. You know? Exactly. And that's what makes you have your some sort of a voice yeah. yes completely i agree oh wait one last question is it the same cast in the first version no, of the movie only two of the actors are the same and oh, that's which ones? dustin and ryan the brother and his bougie friends okay oh yeah <laughs> yeah he's a, yeah he's a, i like that character yeah he's great so the first pass didn't come out the way you wanted correct right um did you edit it and finish it and submit it to festivals and do no. all that stuff? Um, I got to New Zealand, started the edits, and like three weeks later, had a pretty good cut. And the deadline for South by Southwest had <laughs> had you know had made its way. Right, to you were on New Zealand so, time, so it was yeah. like you're a week late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, like the deadline was there, and I just remember I'd already written Janet and asked for an extension, and mm-hmm. she is the programmer of South Man, by Southwest. Texan filmmakers, I know, just saying what? like, oh, I wrote Janet. That's like, 
But, <laughs> like if I said, yeah, I just uh, called Robert up and I was like, listen, bro. Who's Robert? Redford. Redford. Oh, <laughs> oh, right at Sunday. Or, uh, yeah. Who runs TIFF? I don't know. I'm out, I'm out of Justin. names to drop. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but, if you want to delete that name, I, I didn't mean it that way. Like, no, no, no. She's the no, most personable no. and like supportive person you'd ever meet. It's but I do think it's so charming and great. It's like yeah. the thing. It's like the superpower of Texan. No, but it, but it is worth noting that if you get a short into a festival, it's much easier for you right. to have access to the people right. to, yeah. to ask for an extension or do something. Absolutely. Like and I, you know, it's also my husband had had a film there. And so he had a relationship with Janet. So mm-hmm. I'd known her over the years of going. I went to South by Southwest several years before sure. I ever even made a film. Yeah. And so I'd met all the programmers and had that relationship and, you know, met other filmmakers and stuff like that. So that it's a community cool for sure. Yeah. 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 Kind of, yeah. yeah I think completely. that we never really talked about this on the podcast before, but I think it's helpful to think about like if if you're aiming for a festival it's not a bad oh, idea to go to, go, yeah. to that festival before <laughs> you apply because, as many years as you can yeah because yeah. when i'm submitting my short film to south by and you're submitting yours um yeah you know and they're of equal value <laughs> like they know like you're always up against totally. people that have a relationship with the festival no matter like what they tell you to- Even no, though- 100% you are. And it's something about, I, I thought about this a lot too in regards to like the actors that you cast. There's something about having a familiarity with people who you've seen mm-hmm. working towards a thing. And mm-hmm. so if you've known them for a while and you've seen the process and you're like, okay, they're committed. You're it's not just going to be like a yeah. one shot, like some dude make a thing and then he's back to his, you know, real life or she. Um you've seen the process and so you're like brooding and being like okay i'm going to support this in the hopes that they continue on and use this support to build their career yeah so yeah so there's that so yeah so i went sure. <laughs> sure. it didn't submit it i wrote and i was like hey i think um it's not ready i don't want to send it through yet i thought about doing reshoots if i were going to do reach and she, well she was like super supportive she was like you don't understand like how many filmmakers i wish would do this and, oh, and i was sure. like i think i'm gonna wait and send it next year and so that was like this whole thought like <laughs> do i go back to dallas while i'm in new zealand having this crazy opportunity to be in new zealand do i go back to dallas do a few reshoots and then stay and maybe get into the festival maybe not get into the festival and then i like miss this chance and then also ultimately have a film that i don't love start to finish there were so many things about it i just liked yeah. Yeah. That even with reshoots, it wasn't, it wasn't like the thing I wanted to have myself known as for my first film. And so I wrote, I was like, I don't think I'm going to submit it. I'm going to wait a year. And she was like, that's so smart. Like, do you I, think I that you're doing that. Do you think that matters? Like your debut film, like what people think of it? No, not at all. In fact, I mean, it doesn't, but it was a story that oh, right. it's, it's my like personal, your personal story. story. Right, yeah. Right. And so... It doesn't matter, but then for me, it kind of did, I guess. I don't know why it mattered. It yeah. doesn't really. You should be able to make the thing and like let it be your first thing and then continue on. But for some reason, I just wanted it to, I just want to like start with a thing. Right. That like, might maybe be the, a little bit of the, the other side of having a hometown festival that's on a national scale. Right. right. Like if all of your friends have been going to South by for years and years and years and you're premiering your movie that you don't completely love that's hard to face people afterwards as well yeah especially yeah. when it's about you <laughs> yes yeah. exactly yeah yeah um, i was a pretty mediocre actor when i was uh, a teenager so yeah right. this movie is not great <laughs> um so okay so then so you didn't remake the same movie with the same script you kind of started fresh yeah so once i made that decision to hold off 
I showed it to my husband's producers, who are also good friends. I'd known them for many years. And looking back, the people that had offered to help, and I should have let them help me make it instead of being like, no, I want to do it on my own, and I don't want to use my husband's connections. And like, they're like, we're not your husband's connections. We're like two of your best friends. Like, Just let us help you. And uh, it's a really good idea. And so, um, so they watched the rough cut, and they were just like yeah, and this has a lot of potential. If yeah, you yeah. had a supportive team and you were to make the changes to the script that you've been talking about making, this could be a career starter. Like there's stuff here that's unique and you have a clear voice and it's like apparent throughout. And so. But they agreed that it wasn't, it didn't hit its potential. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, this is, you know, Toby is, he's one of my producers. He's quoted, I think in the story, he's like, you've got like 15 minutes here that are like career starters and the rest you can throw, throw it away. <laughs> like Something like that. And were your feelings hurt? <laughs> no, cause I didn't like it either. <laughs> and so I was just like, okay, <laughs> like verified this movie sucks. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and so, but the thing is, is like, it didn't complete, like I can look at it now and be like, okay, it didn't completely suck it just wasn't what I wanted and there were elements that were just so predictable and they had the, like the trope of the girls there was this guy that they'd known and he comes around and it causes like jealousy and then they get in this little fight and like it, it's that thing and that was like the scene that I hated most right. and That's that whole you. little storyline yeah. I was like I'm not doing that we see it in every movie about friends and I don't want it to have that moment so I'm not going to do it mm-hmm. and so Don't you think a better commentary for your movie would be, like on the Blu-ray, would be like you doing your commentary on the first version of the movie (laughs) and talking about what wasn't working and what was working? That would would actually be amazing. I would would be really awesome. Really? Yeah, Yeah, I should do that. I'll propose it. I love it. I love that idea. Because it's like how... Like you're talking about how the oh this day was really sunny and it, we had we needed rain or whatever right right it's right. kind of interesting but if you're like look how dumb this scene is so I took right. this scene and I this is how I fixed it It'd be so much more interesting that's actually a great idea and helpful right. I would watch that too yeah right. yeah so anyway yeah so we um so I scrapped it I was I w- they were like you should just remake the whole thing and I thought. No, I could never do that. This was so hard. Like blood, sweat and tears went into this. And it's Mm -hmm. fucking difficult to make a movie for that much money. And I felt exhausted and like emotionally drained. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I'm just going to do the reshoots when we get home. And then the more I started thinking about (laughs) like having that be my first thing and listening to my brave producer Toby being like, no one's waiting on this. Like, you don't Mm -hmm. know anybody a movie. You could just like set the whole thing aside no one would ever know make the script changes you want and we'll remake it we'll get a new cast we'll find money we'll have like support and you know you make the thing you want to make and so it was like a proof of concept pretty much yeah exactly and I was like I don't know I feel like such a failure like I'm completely like messed up and my first attempt is is awful and I was really depressed to be honest and and they were like, you don't understand how many people would kill for this opportunity. How many first-time filmmakers would give anything to go back and have a trial run and then like redo yeah, it yeah. and like, not have any consequences? And I was like, I guess you're right. Yeah, that is a good way to see it. And so I set it aside and, and I just left it there for a bit. And then I went and um, enjoyed New Zealand and came back, packed up our Dallas house. We moved to LA because David was in post-production here. And then I started on rewrites and like spent every day like rewriting. And I was teaching yoga at the time as far as jobs go and how you support yourself. So I had a job teaching yoga 
and yeah. what an ideal situation. I, yeah, <laughs> but I, but it really like I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before. But there's like a company that's like trying to change how movies are made, where they like will budget for like 20 days of shooting, oh, yeah. and then 10 days of reshooting Reshoots. after, and then a month of editing, and then 10 days of reshooting because yeah, every good indie film I think is made that way. Like um, I was talking mm-hmm. about doing yoga and writing every day. <laughs> Well, that is also, especially yeah. Matt recently did goat yoga. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to go so bad. Oh, you guys, it's so great. I'm obsessed with goats. My fallback plan, if my career as a filmmaker doesn't come through, is to open a goat farm. It's going to be a goat sanctuary, and I'm going to have sheep and cats and dogs. Uh, the thing I, the other thing I want to talk about and think about a little bit is that it would be easy for plenty of people. We talked about like how many opportunities like a person would have to get discouraged and to like throw it all away and burn it all down and, and move on to something else, right? Mm-hmm. And how you you stuck it and made a good movie that then got a release and like you know you did it right you know what I mean mm-hmm. it would be so like easy to just be like like how many screenplays have we everyone started that they're like ah oh, this isn't good and then just stopped there yeah to have made the movie and then been like this isn't good enough I'm gonna do it over again <laughs> yeah is so baller that's like the <laughs> coolest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> It's kind of ridiculous, but yeah, it worked out well. I'm Wait, glad so I did it. Am yeah. I allowed to ask you how how you got the money for the second time? Yeah, because um, I can imagine approaching an investor and being like, "Yeah, I already tried this once and it didn't work. <laughs> can I try it again?" Yeah. Like in startups, that that's what they want, right? They want yeah. they want to know how they to do. do it differently. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I'd done during the process of the rewrites, I decided to go ahead and cut some of the footage into a short film. Mm-hmm. And so I did a couple days of reshoots here in L.A. and added that footage to the initial footage. Mm-hmm. And it's, it fit pretty well. Like it was, you know, supposed to be in Garland, but it worked out well. And uh, that got into South by Southwest, too. Uh-huh. And then won some awards and, you know, did pretty well on the festival circuit. So I had that as a proof of concept to show people. And um, and then I had the fortune to have amazing producers who had a good track record. Sailor Bear with Toby and James and David and, you know, having that connection is really helpful when you need people to trust you in making your film. And so um, Toby, he had just produced a ghost story, which is my husband's movie. Mm -hmm. And they had private investors to do that and made it for pennies. I mean, that's like a super inexpensive movie. And having just done that and having had the success of that as, you know, a template, mm-hmm. like, hey, look what we did with this much money. Look how it looks like we want to do that with her movie, too. And so I, at that point had finished the script and he was able to take it out with the script. And luckily, people responded to the script. Mm-hmm. And we had five private investors, three of whom had been on a ghost story mm-hmm. and then two new ones. And they put in a very small amount of money each and we made it with that. That's awesome. And did you have the cast attached at that point? No, no, we didn't have anyone attached at that point. We only had the script and we knew we wanted to do it. So I was also fortunate to have the money first Mm -hmm. and then to be able to go and look for actors because there were no, you know, there were, there was no requirement to find like a name to get it to get it financed we had the money and the actors knew ahead of time this is a no budget film like yeah. it's not going to be super fancy although they did get like good accommodations and you know it was it's a really well-oiled machine what we can do in texas for a small dollar amount right yeah and so and your lead maya mitchell is like blowing up yeah the last person we had on this podcast also through 
Sunshine Sex, Elijah had Timothy Chalamet in his film, who was like nobody when he made that movie. Right. But I feel like Maya Mitchell is also in his film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hot Summer Nights. But, uh, and that's H24. Yeah. But she's like, I feel like she's all over the place now. I just keep seeing her pop up. So She's so talented. So talented. I was just amazed that she wanted to do it. And she was just... Um, she was just like, yeah, I do this show. I've been on it for five years, and mm-hmm. I happen to have this one tiny window. It's when you're shooting. I really want to do it. Let's do <laughs> so, it. Well, I mean, she went through the whole process, like, sent in her auditions, and they were fantastic. Oh, like, cool. just nailed both roles. And um, and I was like, she's just so good. Like, we have to have her. And, and did she see the short, or, like, what kind of first helped her fall in love with the the script so surprisingly she had a well i mean it wasn't similar but she she knew that world she's from australia mm-hmm. and she's from a really small town in australia and so like any small town where no matter where it is when you don't have access to like culture and art and you know all of these programs that bigger cities have or like access to those things you make your own fun and she just told me the story about how for fun in high school they would put a mattress in the back of a pickup truck and like drive out to a field and get high and so she's like I totally get it yeah Yeah. (laughs) so she had that and um Cammie had a completely different story being from Beverly Hills and had only acted on one thing but she just had this infectious energy that felt so right for the role and this raw talent that was undeniable and then so separately they were amazing but so were a lot of the other actresses. Like mm-hmm. I saw so many talented actresses. Um, but then together, they were yeah, just there you go. yeah electric. Did you do the auditions in L.A.? I took tapes first and then came here to do chemistry reads. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. The movie has like a super, even though it's like crazy and there's a lot of like plot, mm-hmm. like it feels super natural, right? It's like kind of naturalistic mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Was it everything they say is like scripted? Like yeah. pretty specific? Like there's not a lot of improvising in it? Not much. Mm-mm. Not much. It's all very, I mean, I spent like a long time working on the scripts, but yeah, it's all very scripted. But I just feel like... um it's not, I mean, they didn't have to be precise with the words. Mm-hmm. If it was like, oh, it's so hot outside, they could be like, goddamn, I'm fucking hot. You know, they could right, say whatever right. they wanted to say, but within the scripts. And not a ton changed. I think the only big thing that changed was there were no bros in the script. And then, like, the finished film, was like, a lot of them, like, what's, you know, bro, like this, bro, that. I remember one time I was like, oh, the word bro. Yeah. I was like, we've reached our limit on bros sure. and fucks. So, what about <laughs> dudes, though? There's a lot of dudes. There's a bunch the- of dudes in the script. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I think there were additional dudes that just <laughs> sure. come out. It's like one of those things that happens when you're improving. Well, well and a little gift, too, right? Like, the actors then know, like, okay, this is the vernacular. This yes, is how right. a character maybe fills time or, like, yep. thinks through something or something. Totally. Interesting. Um, there's yeah. this scene in the movie where they're in the grocery store and, like, some older guy sees one of them eating nuts, <laughs> right, for free, like, yeah. raising at the nut bar. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he tells her she's, like, stealing from the store and she goes in on this diatribe about how, I don't know, he has a small penis or something. I forget <laughs> no, what exactly it's like what it's a... about, but it's a it's really a... long Pro- rant His about... head is probably the closest thing to a penis on his filthy, rotting, <laughs> sagging body. <laughs> right. How? So was that scripted? Yeah. Yeah, that was scripted and that was actually her audition scene and oh, she cool. just nailed it. And then she came in that day and just did it over and over and just like kept bringing it. She's so fantastic. So I know we're running out of time, but I just <laughs> want to ask you real quick about the movie. So you have... These two actresses, like young actresses, mm-hmm. and they're doing crazy things. They're getting high. They're like 
almost <laughs> making out. They're mm-hmm. stealing things. They're cursing at everyone. <laughs> Everything they do is like pretty much illegal. <laughs> um, like, a is it hard? Like, do you have to talk to their parents or like? Does it, it, like? Are you ever nervous about having to tell these young actors to do all this stuff, or how does that work? No, because Maya's twenty five now, mm-hmm. so she was like twenty four or something at the time, and you know has been working for years. She's like a grown person who decides right, those things adult. on her own. Yeah, she's an adult. And Cammy was, um, she was younger. I think she was twenty when we were shooting. No, I mean, they had read the scripts. We had conversations ahead of time. I think Cammie's one hesitation was the scene in the closet. <laughs> like, And she talks about it now. She's like, I didn't think I could do it. And and so I told my agents, I don't think I can do this. And they're like, you're doing it. She's like, but I'm scared. They're like, that's why. Well, before, before we wrap things up, um, I'd love to talk about the differences between the first, the, the trial run, right? Mm-hmm. And the the finished movie. Like, what what did you decide to do differently um, from a directing perspective, from a craft perspective? Were there any kind of big philosophical yeah. shifts? Yeah, there were two big choices that I made going into the second one. The first choice was not um, working from a place of fear. And so I found myself doing that a lot of times in the first draft or the first version of the script, being afraid and not knowing what I could say and what I couldn't say and how far I could push things and, and just not having the confidence because I'd never really written or made something, you know, feature length and, and, and really relying on the people around me to be like, I think that's a little too much or you need this plot device or this or that. And so kind of listening to people who didn't have the similar instinct or vibe or, you know, vision that I had and trusting them when I shouldn't have, I should have just trusted my instinct and like gone with that. And, um, and then, Oh, from the time that I made the first one to the second one, I saw Broad City. And Mm -hmm. so that was huge to me. I was like, what? They're doing like poop jokes. I wanted to do poop jokes and I was too scared to do poop jokes. I'm fucking putting these into my movie because I I find them funny and they make me laugh. And I want to do things that make me laugh. Mm And make me fulfilled. And so that was a big thing. And then also, you know, the falling apart thing that I mentioned earlier, I didn't want that. I never wanted a guy to come in and be an obstacle. I thought it was so true. Like, try it. You see it in every film. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that. So it's like, it's not going to happen. If there are obstacles, it's coming from outside and they're going to approach it together. So they need Mm -hmm. like any sort of, I mean, you need an obstacle to like make a movie. And so it has to be an outside obstacle. So it was that. And then as far as shooting style went, you're talking mm-hmm. about the script writing. Yeah, script not writing. Not the crew. That you yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, then the making of it, I hired everyone by listening and trusting my gut instinct, which was more important than anything that they'd done and more important than the you real know, their real or, or resume. Yeah, it was about like, do we get along? Do you see things eye to eye? Can we riff on movies and like have the same influences and the same, you know, uh, reference movies? And are you an asshole? <laughs> like if you're not an asshole and we have all these things, then you're, you're hired. And so that was the thing. And then as far as planning shots went, that was one time when I had a very extensive list of reference shots. And so it wasn't even just like, Hey, I've envisioned this thing. Like it would kind of go like this. It was like, Hey, this is a shot from the big Lebowski. I want to copy it exactly for right. this scene. And so I did that. Yeah, like, yeah. And so I pulled a ton of shots like that. My DP and I sat together and just for like two or three weeks when she came to town, we would spend every day just walking through things and plotting it out because we knew we only had this many days and this much mm-hmm. money. And so everything was very well planned and very well plotted. That's cool. Awesome. Did you have any shooting philosophy? Like, or, like, did you shoot coverage? Like, is there anything 
Oh, that yeah. Was part of your plan? I love coverage. <laughs> if we have time, we get as much coverage as we can. I never turn down a shot. Like, if I'm like, okay, I think we're good here. And she's like, I think we might need. I'm like, let's get it then. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you're just like, no, I think we're good. And, and then I'm remembering, no, my rule is like, always get the coverage. And so, and then, you know, you get the coverage and trust, trust the people around you, yeah. especially my DP, Greta Zozula, who is fantastic and so, so brilliant. That's awesome. Um, do you have, just because you're in the thick of it, do you have any tips on being interviewed about your movie? Like, is there, is there anything you've kind of learned over the last about few weeks about being just, interviewed yeah or, oh. <laughs> like do you try to give a different answer every time you get asked the same question or anything sometimes like that? it kind of depends sometimes i just kind of say the say the thing i tr- i try and do it a little bit different i think what i find with press is um having seen my husband been through this whole process mm-hmm. a number of times I just remember on his press he goes you know to do press in various cities and he's traveling and i'm like you're so lucky. Like you get to go do press and like you're there, you're being flown to these cities. And he's like, I'm literally there for like 10 hours and then I'm on a plane to the next place. And you're saying the same thing all day, every day. It's the worst. I fucking hate it. I'm like, yeah, but you made a movie and it's lucky and blah, blah, blah. And so when my first press experience, he's like, see, and I'm like, yes, it kind of sucks, but it's amazing. Like, I can't believe that I'm being taken and people care and they want to hear what I have to say. And I get to talk about this thing that I made and yes, it sucks. And yes, you're tired and I'm losing my voice and you're saying the same thing all day. But there sometimes are new questions and they're like interesting aspects. So I just try and and feel grateful for like, man, you guys, I made a movie. Like, there you go. A24 is releasing my movie. People are going to see it. It's going to be in and theaters. This premiere? is a fucking privilege at Sundance. Oh, cool. Yeah. Heard yeah. It. It's You know that one? It's like uh, Robert. I mean, yeah, sure. Tom yeah, talked to him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they call him Bob. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Red. I yeah. messed up Bobby my Reddy. joke. You're right. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were supposed to name drop Robert. Yeah. <laughs> you have to call him Bob if you do. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> cool. Well, that's awesome yeah i find like when you do q a's like on your same the same movie at festivals you get better at them every you time you find oh, your yeah. stories and yeah, you find out like yeah. oh people love this story and yeah, yeah. you kind of get bored one. by this one yeah. oh yeah yeah i definitely tell some of the same anecdotes throughout yeah. q a's because q a's are way worse than press <laughs> like i mean it's terrifying i'm i have horrible stage fright and i get diarrhea of the mouth and i just start talking and i say a lot of things i probably shouldn't say and uh so. <laughs> I did. Thank you. That's what everyone, everyone's like, no, you're so good at Q&As. I'm like, you don't know what I'm feeling inside. It's so crushing. And I'm embarrassed and sad and like depressed. <laughs> like, I'm doing my best. Well, I feel like I still have a zillion questions about the movie love, but we have no time. <laughs> can we, can we squeeze our unpaid endorsement section in here? Unpaid endorsements. You got anything, Matt? Uh, yes, I do. I'm watching Succession. Are you guys watching? No one's talking about that show. It's so good. Okay. It's like what um, channel is it on? It's on HBO. It's actually it's like unfunny Arrested Development. Basically, (laughs) it's like this crazy like family that's basically like your Sumner Redstoney sort of um, power hierarchy, where it's like the patriarch, and then like the kids are all kind of feuding with each other to basically take over the company, and he's still trying to like hold on to all of his power. Um, and so it's like really like Shakespearean. It's like Game of Thrones. It's, it's a, in the corporate world. I mean, kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, and the performances are all awesome. The whole ensemble is really great. Um, and it's shot really well. And it's still like darkly funny. It's an Adam McKay show. So oh, like, I, I love Adam McKay. It's so crazy and weird. 
Yeah, so that's my recommendation. Oh, Succession. Cool. I'll take it out. Yeah, Augustine, you got anything? I've been so in the work mode <laughs> that I haven't I haven't done much. I've I've seen a few movies. I'm reading a book about Catherine the Great. Sure. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah. And it's pretty fascinating. You know, there's like this new Catherine the Great show. I don't know if you guys saw that. that no. They just announced. Um, it's on HBO. Do you know about the show? I don't know. But it's a book about her life and it's fascinating. I never thought she was so interesting. I never knew anything about her. So I'm reading that. That's What's a really it good called? book. It's called Catherine the Great. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's by a well-known author who does a lot of biographies that uh, Walter who, Isaacson that's the only biographer it? I know I don't know I don't know I'm horrible with names my we'll drop it in the show notes though we'll yeah. Figure it out. yeah um cool well or well, yeah uh, so I think this is an obvious thing to anyone that does like any graphic design but uh I just I just want to promote that if you ever have to choose a font and you're having trouble choosing a font and you have a choice between a professional font and something on defont.com or something, <laughs> like go with the professional font because having like, I'm working on something right now where it's like you have like the bold version, the condensed version and the uh-huh. light version and the italic. So um, just when you're thinking about fonts, try to find some professional fonts. There's some yeah. good ones out there. You All might right. notice that um, the n- episode number on our um, thumbnails is a different font than our main titles. And it's because it's a defont font. <laughs> Yeah, I love the font. Like if you're doing, if you're making like bad art for like the art department in a movie, sure. yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. or uh, your podcast art, I guess. Or your so podcast art. Right. No, it's right. cool, but um, <laughs> but professional fonts are cooler. Um, cool. Well, I if we want to find out more about, well, it, does the movie have a Twitter account or social media or anything? It does. It has all that. The film's called Never Going Back, and so you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. And a, a very own website, never going back movie or film or something like that. dot com. And we're it's on the G O I N. G O I N. Yeah, and we're on the A twenty four website. The A twenty four website will link you to all of our all of additional things. sites. Cool. Yeah. And, and what then, about you? I have a Instagram. As of yesterday, I'm no longer on Twitter. Ooh, congratulations! <laughs> it was uh, more for like, <laughs> it's about. <laughs> anxiety and uh, around the release of a film there's just too much and there's just too much negativity and i just couldn't be with it but like the counter of that is all the positivity that i'm also addicted to sure i don't need to see any of it it's unhealthy and so i just asked to be um taken off the press releases and the press responses i don't want to know i don't even want to know the good stuff cool i just want to live in my bubble for a minute yeah cool well uh yeah if you want to find out more uh if you have any questions or comments about this episode you can email us at just shoot at gmail.com um you can follow us on twitter facebook instagram everywhere just shoot a pod you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Smitey Pileg. And I'm at Mr. Matamo. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe. Our uh, show producer is Madeline Rosewatt. Our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music you're listening to right now was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Leave us an iTunes review if you get a chance. And we will catch you next time. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.